yesterday, we are our nation and the world celebrated a pretty important event. 71 years ago, was it? That was that long ago. 71 years ago, Allied forces stormed the beaches of Normandy and started to turn the tide of World War II against the, um, the oppression and the, the uh, effects of Nazi Germany under Hitler. Those Allied soldiers, they shared their lives with the world, doing something that the world was unable to do for themselves. Uh, people living all over the world, people living in the United States in 1944, people living in uh, Great Britain in 1944, were helpless um, against this, this uh, machine of war by the Nazi uh, uh, Nazi Germans, but yet these soldiers said, we will share our lives. We will share our lives to meet this need. We will share our lives to offer salvation to the whole world. 9,000 on that one day, at least 9,000 soldiers on that one day um, shared the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate part of their life, giving their lives on those beaches so that the Allies could get a foothold in that war. Pretty amazing story, a story that I think was, is worth reflecting on, um, a story that doesn't necessarily uh, uh, carry with us day by day of our lives. We don't often just think of D-Day and we think of that sacrifice or we don't think of, our, of, of the soldiers' um, past and present, um, day after day, um, and that doesn't have a, an effect on our lives. We, we've set aside Memorial Day or, or Veterans Day or maybe even this D-Day or um, in the future, I think our, our children will, will celebrate um, something on September 11th every year, um, similar to the way we've celebrated these other holidays over the years, I think that holiday will grow. And we'll remember those times on those special days. But do they affect us day by day by day? There is a story you all are familiar, familiar with. A story that should affect us day after day after day. It's the greatest story. The story of God sharing his son Jesus with the world to meet a need that the world could not meet without him. Right? We know this story. We talk about it often. The disciples of the New Testament understood this story. It was the only story really worth sharing. See, they realized, like we must realize, that no one person, no one person, no one individual can meet all of his own or her own needs all of the time, nor can he or she meet all of the needs of other people all of the time. There are a lot of needs out there. A lot of needs out there. And none of us can meet all of them all the time by ourselves. We need something outside of ourselves. The question is, for us, are you sharing? Are you sharing what you have, what God has given you, 
in order to meet those needs around you. I want us to look at um, Acts chapter 4 today, a very short paragraph, uh, a summary paragraph in Luke's story of the early church and of the disciples. I want us to look at this paragraph, Acts chapter 4, verse 32. You're going to see it on the screen in a moment. Um, and, and I'm going to read it out loud. Um, but as you're turning there and you're looking at that passage with me, I want to, I want to, to, to let this kind of resonate with you, this, this, um, mean, these, this meaningful um, uh, uh, truth, that because God shared Jesus with us, we must share Jesus with others. It's pretty simple. It's a pretty simple truth. Because God shared Jesus with us, uh, we must share Jesus with others. Will you look with me? Follow along in Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 32, as I read out loud. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. First thing I want, to, I want us to, to, to think about as we're, as we're looking at this, you know, the disciples were motivated by what God had done for them. Okay? If, we go, if we back up the story a bit, we back it up to, to Luke's gospel account where he told of the life and the ministry of Jesus. He told of his death on the cross. He told of his resurrection from the dead. And they began to realize God sent Jesus to do this for us, to change us, to transform us. This is a story worth sharing. And God said, or Jesus said to them, don't keep it to yourselves, but be empowered by the Holy Spirit to witness, and you will be my witnesses. You will go into all of the world and make disciples. You'll teach them. You'll baptize them. Um, they took that story to heart. They said, this is a story that needs to be shared because the world needs to hear this story. The world needs Jesus. Because God shared Jesus with us, we must share Jesus with others. That's what the, that's what the disciples were resonating with. They were thinking about, they were motivated by. I want you to think with me about two ways that we can share Jesus with others. Okay, two ways. One way is with our actions. And one way is with our words. With our actions and with our words. So when I ask the question, are you sharing? It is, are you sharing Jesus with your actions? And are you sharing Jesus with your words? If we are sharing Jesus with our actions only which is really easy to do. We can get out there and, and help people. We can get out there and serve them. We can, get, we can give to them. We can, 
What, what are some things we can do? Build houses for them. Give money. Um, give, um, uh, prepare meals for people. Um, mow lawns for people. Um, tie animal balloons for people. <laughs> Paint faces for the little kitties. We can do a lot of things, but if, we are, if, if, our, if we're just sharing in actions only, we could end up with a very powerless charity. Powerless charity. We can do all kinds of good things, but there's really no power behind it. Now, we could go out there and we could share with our words. We can... We can um, share with people during, uh, share Jesus during our um, breaks at, in the break room at work. We can share with Jesus uh, or share Jesus um, on the street corner. <laughs> Not very many people doing that much anymore. We could um, go to some public places and, and uh, hey, do you know Jesus? Can I talk to, him, uh, talk to you about him? We could knock on doors and say, hey, want to share Jesus with you. We do a lot of things to share Jesus. We could, we, could, we could speak and proclaim Jesus over and over and over again. But if our actions don't back up what we're saying, we could end up with empty dogma. Dogma is just simply that word for really uh, important beliefs a system of beliefs. We believe all of this is true. We say we believe it. This doctrine, this teaching, this dogma. But our actions don't back it up. And it can be empty words. Empty dogma. If we are just sharing with our words only. But if our actions and our words are united. As we see here in the disciples story. We end up with a very powerful witness. Very powerful witness. Let's take a look at, let's take a look at this paragraph a little, in a little more detail and see if we can see these things. First, first that we must share Jesus with our actions. With our actions. Look with me um, at this first phrase. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. The disciples were committed to healthy rhythms of life on life. They were united in heart, or they were with of one heart and soul, which means that they were united in their, in their togetherness. Um, this, remember back to um, just a few few weeks ago, Acts chapter 2, we, sh we saw how the disciples were committed to all these various rhythms of, of belonging to one another, of eating together, of sharing and giving, of, uh, what were some other things? I'm trying to, trying to remember. Um, worshiping together, praying together, breaking bread and communion together. They were sharing these life-on-life -life rhythms that, that demonstrated that they were united. And here again, Luke, the author of this book, tells us that they were of one heart and soul. They were together. They were united. The disciples were committed to healthy rhythms of life-on-life. -life. The disciples believed also that, that everything that they had 
belonged to God. That everything that they had belonged to God. Look what, look what they said. No one said any of the things that belonged to him was his own. No one said anything that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. So why do you think they, they were like that? Because it sounds to me, like on first reading, it sounds like what they were doing was, my stuff doesn't belong to me, it belongs to you, it belongs to all of us. It's a community thing. And it kind of gets me thinking, is, was this some kind of, a, kind of an early Christian commune? Was this, uh, how, how did they share this stuff? And, and well, what, but didn't they have their own homes and their own stuff? I mean, and aren't, don't they have the right to have their own stuff? I think they were hearkening back to the Old Testament. And um, I didn't write down this reference, so I, I apologize. But they were thinking back to the Old Testament practice or, or Old Testament belief that, that it, is, it was God who enabled them to make wealth. It was God who had provided everything for them. And it was God then who owns everything. At one point, I think it's the psalmist who says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Well, if he owns that stuff, we're just caretakers of it. <laughs> we're just stewards of it. God has given us our possessions and our belongings and our houses and our land for us to take care of while we're here on this earth. They belong to him. And we're, we're stewards of them. I think they were tapping into that, that, that deep-rooted uh, biblical truth that they believed then that everything that they had belonged to God. The disciples also shared resources to meet other people's needs. Um, jump ahead, we're going to come back to verse 33 in a moment, but jump ahead to verse 34 and 35. And there we see that they had this system in place, some kind of a system in place, in which they were, were, would share the resources that they had to meet the needs of others. And look at this very powerful statement. There was not a needy person among them. Imagine, <laughs> imagine living in a culture, a city, a community, in which that was true. There was not a needy person among them. And I'm not talking about if you live on this, um, uh, in a certain part of, of town, there aren't any physical material needs there because everyone's wealthy and everyone's good, good to go. Well, cross over to the other side of town. Cross over to the part of the city where there are a lot of needs, where people don't have much. Where people are wondering, how am I going to get food today? How am I going to feed my kid during the summer because they're not going to get their school lunch program anymore. Think about the, those kinds of needs. Think about being there. The disciples were experiencing this kind of community, this kind of generosity, this sharing Jesus with their actions that resulted in nobody having any needs because they were all being met. And this is, this is what they did. If somebody had lands or houses, owned these lands or houses, they, they sold them. And then they brought the money that was, of what was sold and they, it says they laid it at the apostles' feet. Um, I pro they probably did that literally. And that was kind of a cultural thing that for them to say, um, I'm going to 
lay this down at your feet meant that now I'm going to entrust it to you. I'm going to entrust this to you, apostles. You're going to take care of it, distribute it, do what's needed to be done. You know, today we just say, go to this website, use your credit card, punch in the number and say, okay, there you go. That's how you, that's how you can give to somebody else's needs. Or here's an offering box. Put the, put, put the money in the offering box and, and that will go to meet the needs of the church and, and our community and all the work that we're doing here. You know, we have a lot of different ways of doing that besides laying it at the, at the apostles' feet. The point is that they had this system in place that was being used to meet needs. They actually took the resources that they had and they distributed it to each as any had need. So this kind of an uh, kind of a, an, an, a contradiction here, isn't there? There were no needy persons among them, but yet they said they distributed it each as any had need. The point is that a, needy, a need arose and they met it. Nobody remained needy. Nobody remained hungry. Nobody remained without. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome situation in which the disciples were sharing Jesus in such active ways. What would that look like for us? What would that look like for the River Church to meet needs like that? What would it look like for us individually to say, all of the things that I own actually really belong to God. I am just caretakers of them. I am just to be a good steward of them. And I'm to, I'm to use all of my resources, the money in my, in my bank accounts, um, the, if there is any, <laughs> the, 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 the items in my garage or in my closet, my home, my car. What if, I were, what if I were to use all that God had given me for his purposes, for advancing his kingdom, for meeting other people's needs within our church community and without? What kind of message would that send? to the world around us, to the, to the city that we live in. And an example of this is Joseph. Joseph, in verses 36 to 37, is introduced here into Luke's story of the Acts of the Apostles. Joseph, who is also called Barnabas, a son of encouragement. He was an encourager. He was one who said, you know what? I think you can do it. You know what? Let's give this guy a chance. Let's give him an opportunity. Um, let's, let's lift him up. Let's not push him down. Let's lift him up. Let's encourage some people. And he had a field, and he sold it, and he brought the money, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Same, same wording, same phrasing as before. We just, have a, we just have this beautiful example of Joseph saying, I'm going to do that. That's what we're called to do. We're called to share Jesus with our life. You know, nothing that I have belongs to me alone. I don't need this extra field. It's been in my family for many years. I can sell it. I'll just, I'll sell it and I'll give the money to meet other people's needs. I think that's probably what they were doing too. A lot of us will look at this and go, well, they sold lands and houses. Well, should I, that, does that mean I should sell the house I live in? And, and, and give the money away and then where am I going to live? Then I'm going to be in need. 
I don't think that's exactly what he meant. The implication, I think, uh, and the, the setting here is that these were people who had m multiple uh, real estate holdings. They had property here, property there. And if they knew there was a need, they said, I, I'll liquidate that asset and I'll meet that need. That's probably what they were doing. Very rarely will God um, call somebody like he called the rich young ruler, sell everything you have. Everything you have. Give it all away and just follow me. All you need is your cloak and your sandals. Just follow me. Sometimes God will, will ask us to do something like that. He, he may. He may ask us to do something like that. Um, why do you think that God expects us to live like that? To, to, to act like that? To respond to needs like that? Uh, I was looking back through the Gospels and I remembered um, a passage. Um, I'm going I'm to find it in Mark, but you can also find it in, um, in the Gospel of Luke. And I won't share the whole story with you, but at one point Jesus was, was um, uh, in fact, he had, he had just talked to the rich young man that I mentioned earlier. He had just talked with him, and, and, the, and the man, instead of um, uh, selling all of his possessions and giving it to the poor and following Jesus, he went away discouraged, and he said, if that's what it means to follow Jesus, I'm not willing to do it. Uh, I, I can't do it. I've got great possessions. Um, Mark writes, he went away disheartened, sorrowful, for he had great possessions. How can I give up all of this that I'd worked for all my life, that I deserve because I live in a land of opportunity, because, um, because doggone it, I, I slaved away for this stuff for years and years. And, and to give it all away just like that? Just because Jesus said so, not going to do it. So Jesus said, how hard is it for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven? It's harder, uh, it's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, a sewing needle, than for a rich person to enter heaven. And his disciples said, how in the world is anyone going to get saved? If it's, if, that's if it's that difficult, what does Jesus say? With man it is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter said this, See, we have left everything and followed you. Wow, Peter. You're pretty spiritual. I mean, you, you're up there, buddy. You've, hey, see, look, Jesus, we left everything. You know, other people aren't doing this. Other people aren't going. Other people aren't serving. But I am. Shouldn't we get some kudos for that, Jesus? We're not like these other guys. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one, no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now, now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. That's a promise. How is that going to happen? I mean, if I leave my family and go to the other side of the world, what does that mean? How, I'm separated from my family. He's going to give me a new family? 
if I, if I sell my house and, and go and, and give that money to meet somebody else's needs, how, how am I going to have my needs supplied there? If I leave my country, if I leave my homeland, if I go to where Jesus tells me to go and I forsake all of that stuff, how is that going to be true in my life? How is he going to give, give that back a hundredfold? The answer is in Acts. He gives us the church. He gives us the church. He gives us a new family. You know, our mothers and our brothers, our sisters, our fathers may forsake us. May say, why are you following Jesus? Why are you wasting your time? Why are you giving your money away? Why are you selling that property? Why are you liquidating that asset? And why are you trying to help other people? We don't want to have anything to do with that. We don't want to have anything to do with you. But then Jesus says, look around you. Look around at the river church. Look around at the, the wider church around you. He's given you sisters and brothers, in some cases fathers and mothers, houses and lands, so that you'll never be in need. That's the kind of church that, that Jesus wants to build. That, you know, God shared that kind of Jesus with us. One who would, you, who would bring us all together, unite us in one heart and soul, so that there was not a needy person among them as, as it should be for us today. We must share Jesus with our actions. And the disciples show us how to do that. But what is the second part of it though? We must share Jesus with our words. And that's what verse 33 is about. Verse 33 says, with great power, with great power, the disciples were empowered by the Holy Spirit through prayer and worship. You may look at verse 33 and say, I don't see that right there. Where's that at? Well, back up with me just a little bit. little bit. And what do we see in verse 31? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. It's the Holy Spirit, God's, God's presence with His people, by His Spirit, that empowers His people to do the work that he's called them to do, which is primarily witness. Witness. That's why it says they were giving their testimony. The testimony here is the same word, same root word that we see in Acts 1.8. You will be my witnesses. He could have said, you will be my testifiers. And here he could have said, giving their witness to the resurrection, those words are the same. Those words are the same. When you see testimony, when you see witness in the New Testament, you're looking at the same kind of word, the same root word. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And, and it says they were, and I, and I said they were empowered by the Holy Spirit through prayer and worship. Keep backing up with me. And what were they doing in last week's message? They were worshiping together. They were committed to that experience of worship. Every time they gathered together and they were committed to the kinds of prayer and the kind of worship that I like to call authentic worship. Authentic worship is not just, and not just um, really um, clever, 
talented musicians, nice lighting, good mood, good atmosphere. That's not what I'm talking about with authentic worship. Okay? We don't have to light a bunch of candles or have the laser show to have authentic worship. Authentic worship is the kind of worship that's directed authentically to the only one who's worthy of worship. And that's what they were doing, weren't they? In their prayers. They were saying, Sovereign Lord who made the heavens and the sea and everything in them. They were quoting Scripture to one another in their worship and their prayer. And they were recounting God's deeds and how He sent Jesus. And they were marveling in the Gospel. They were empowered by the, the Holy Spirit through these experiences of prayer and worship. And so must we be. So must we be committed to our times of worship together and committed to worshiping authentically. That's why when we sing, I stand and lift up my hands or we stand and lift up our hands, it's okay to lift up your hands. I wish I could do that. I'm stuck with my hands strumming a guitar. But sir, there are times I just want to stop that and just lift up my hands because God is worthy of us to, to act out our praise, physically even. Physically. It's okay to do that. It's okay. It's okay. The disciples were empowered by the Holy Spirit through prayer and worship. And then what did they do? The apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. They were giving their testimony, I mentioned before. Testimony and witness, those are the same words. They were giving their testimony or their witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The disciples were committed to the mission. Jesus had said, you will be my witnesses. You will be empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. Go do this. Make it happen. Share Jesus with your words. They were committed to this mission. It's, and, and that's why Luke has got this here. In the middle of this passage, I mean, there are some, there are some scholars who've looked at this passage and if they've thought, well, let's see. Talks about them uh, not having, uh, or not saying that everything belonged to them alone, but they had everything in common. And then all of a sudden there's this verse 33 that's kind of just thrown in there like, uh, okay. Okay, this testimony thing, that, that belongs in another passage. Why is that there? Somebody must have screwed with the text, messed up our Bibles somewhere, you know, years and years ago. Because uh, it really should just go right into, for there was not a needy person among them. But that's not, that wasn't Luke's intention. Luke was reminding us, look, okay, we're sharing Jesus with our actions. But let's not forget to be committed to the mission. Let's not be committed, or uh, let's not be uh, forget that that our our mission is to share Jesus with our words. If we aren't only sharing Jesus with our actions, it's powerless. It's just a bunch of good works, and and you know what? A lot of other people are doing that. A lot of other people are doing good works all over our community, in our city, and our world without Jesus. And some of them are doing some amazing things. But they're powerless. They're powerless without the good news of Jesus. They're powerless without the words spoken. When we combine our actions and our words together, there's a, a powerful witness that takes place. A powerful witness. They, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
through prayer worship. They were committed to the mission. And look what else they did. This one little phrase right in the center here, and I think it's probably one of the most important phrases of this whole, whole passage, and I, that's why I shared it for, or saved it for last. They joyfully received grace from God. They joyfully received grace from God. And I would add this too, and I'm going to show you this. And they gave Him glory for it. They gave Him glory. They joyfully received grace from God and gave Him glory. It says, and great grace was upon them all. In the midst of their witness, just think about this. If you want to make much of something, if you want to, if you want to, uh, if you really believe something is great, you're going to keep that to yourself. You're going to say, I really believe that this is the most amazing truth I've ever heard. It's changed my life. I'm going to write that down in the, in, the, in, the, in the back cover of my Bible. And I'm going to look at that and remi- remember it every once in a while. <laughs> Is that what we're going to do with the, with the greatest news that we've ever heard? A truth so dear that it's changed our lives? Is that what we're going to do with it? No! So what do we do when we have something that great, we give testimony to it, and ultimately, we give God glory in doing that. Because if we make much of Him in our words and our actions, it makes, it makes God appear more glorious. And don't we want Him to appear more glorious? We sing this song, you know, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of kings. You are my everything. And I will adore you. And I will adore you. We, want, we sing this song. If we believe it, then we ought to... Jesus ought to be our everything. Jesus ought to be behind and, and in front of our actions and all of our words. And they joyfully received this grace. The grace came on them, was filling them. God's goodness, God's goodness that was, that was more than they deserved. See, we're not like Peter who says, well, we, we, left, um, we left the army and a promotion to go plant a church for you in the northwest, in a little town in East Valley of Yakima. You know, so God, you know, shouldn't you do something for us? No. God doesn't, doesn't deserve, or we don't deserve what God gives us. Just because we obey Him, we're only doing our duty. That's what we do as, as disciples. And, and so the what... So the good things that God does for us is His grace. It's all grace. It's all grace that He gives us. It's pretty awesome. Grace. Good things. Goodness from Him. Greatness from Him that we don't deserve. Every day. Every day we have an opportunity to walk in that. But let me... 
the, the, the paradox of this is that when we commit to share Jesus with others, and with our actions and our words, grace is greater in our lives. It's a, it's a paradox. We're not, we're not earning it. But yet somehow God has ordained that we will receive more grace from Him as we are obedient to Him. Ponder that with me. Ponder that. Because it's really quite amazing. It's really quite amazing. This was not uh, the wages that they deserved. The wages that they deserved was death. Because they're sinful. And we're sinful. But we received grace. Even, even in our greatest obedience. In it, even, even when we share not all of our lives, all of our possessions, even if we were to die on the beaches of Normandy, we don't deserve grace. We don't deserve grace from God. It's undeserving. We joyfully receive it. We joyfully receive it. Are you sharing? Are you sharing? That's, real, that's our challenge. That's our challenge. This passage right here, I believe, was put in this part of the story of Acts to remind us, to remind us that our mission is so important. That our, our mission is to bear witness to what Jesus has done in history and has done in our lives. To share Jesus with our words. But the, the, the effect of that good news on our lives, it transforms every aspect of our, of, our, of our lives so that we share Jesus with our actions too. And then people look at us and they go, you all must be disciples of Christ. You all must be followers of Jesus. Because I can tell by the way you love each other. I can tell by the way you love each other. I want us to be that church. I want us to be that individually. What do you need to change? Uh, what do you need to, to, to believe? What do you need to do as you walk out here? Maybe, 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 as we're talking about sharing Jesus with our actions, maybe God spoke to you and said, there's something I want you to do with the resources you have. Maybe he said, there's somebody that you know lives near you, lives on the other side of the, town, of, of the city, maybe in another area. Somebody you know who has a need and you can meet that need. Maybe you're one who has a need and you haven't shared it because we don't want to share our needs. We don't want to look weak. We don't want to look vulnerable. It goes, against, it goes against our American culture and our ideals and our standards to say, I have a need. And I don't know how I'm going to meet it. Well, maybe you need to share that. Maybe you need to share that with the church here. Maybe you need to send me an email. Maybe you need to share with your discipleship group or with your missional community. God may have said something to you about sharing Jesus with your actions. Maybe there's somebody that you know and you've been thinking about, I just need to open my mouth. I just need to tell them that Jesus loves them. I need to tell them some truth from God's word about Jesus. And then just let the chips fall where they may. 
And whatever happens, happens. Just go with it. Be, power, be empowered by the Holy Spirit and speak His name. I mean, there's somebody that you've been thinking about and you need to commit this morning to share Jesus with your words. How is it that you need to respond? We're going to go into a time of, of response right now. And um, the music is going to play. I'm going to ask you guys to stand in a second. Um, as we're preparing to respond um, in this way, I'm going to invite you to, to come forward. I'll stand right over here, kind of out of the way. Come forward if you want um, me to pray with you or there's something that, a decision that you want to make that you, you need to share um, so that we can encourage you and pray for you and, and help you in that. Um, maybe equip you, give you some help and training or whatever it might be. Um, I'm going to be right here. Uh, let me pray as we, um, as we close this out. Father, thank you for this word from you. Thank you um, for stirring in my heart and reminding me that, God, I have way more than I deserve in family, in friends, in, um, in houses, in belongings. God, you are more gracious to me than I deserve. And it's only because of your son Jesus that you love me and, you're, and you've given me that grace. Lord, I, I, I know that there are things I need to do. I need to um, live more simply. I need to use more of my resources to meet other needs rather than my own that are already well met. God, I know that there are people around me who don't know Jesus. God, they're waiting for me to open my mouth and to share it. Lord, empower me for that. Lord, increase my commitment to your mission that you have given us. Lord, um, I ask that in the name of Jesus. And I ask that, God, you will stir all of us in the name of Jesus to respond to this word. I pray this in, again in Jesus' great and holy name. Amen.